And that is how you get to a cup final, apparently. Welcome to this week's Red Voices, ladies and gentlemen. Ewan and Rich here to walk you through a weird old week for Manchester United that started off awfully, got a bit better, and then ended up with everyone making that lads, it's Spurs joke. Games against West Brom, Bournemouth, and that aforementioned FA Cup semi-final to mull over. But before we commence mulling, how do you, Richard? I'm not too bad. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Thank you very much. Uh, just uh, thinking about the fact that we've reached our third, sorry, fourth cup final in the space of three seasons. How about that? Mm. It's, it's quite pretty impressive given, given how utterly rubbish we've been for most of that period, isn't it? Uh, it well, I wasn't going to go for quite that sort of slant with it, Rich, but it, it's definitely Hello. noticeable that whilst we haven't been quite at our best and you know we've been so firmly in the midst of quote-unquote transition that those words are that word is basically just tattooed into the inside of our skulls that we've Mm. actually still been able to get to some cup finals and win them we'll see how we get on on the 19th of may but this feels like a a awful thing to say but i kind of do back us to get one past chelsea at this stage i don't know about you yeah i mean watching the other semi-final today and having seen Chelsea a few times in the last few weeks, I think we'd be disappointed if we didn't beat them. I think ultimately, if both teams turn up and we win that game, we should, if we do everything right, be winning the cup. But life's not like that, is it? Life's funny sometimes. That's true, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll get to uh, a full Spurs rundown in a little while. We've got to go through some... <laughs> We've got some stodge to get through first before we get there. Mm. But I guess it's... Uh... Pressing and also worth talking about in the sense that we've now, in the last couple of months, beaten Chelsea, Liverpool, City and now Spurs in this run that we've been going on in the last couple of months. Obviously, it's been some rather poor results in amongst that, which we'll come to shortly. But we've also had several comebacks too. You know, you think back to that, mm. you know, the, the Chelsea game, the Palace game, the City game, and now Saturday. There's an increasing sense that United are starting to fight back and starting to respond to their mistakes, which wasn't something that we could initially say too often in that first Mourinho season. And we certainly couldn't say it through much of Van Hal's reign. And we <laughs> sure as hell didn't say it during Moises, sorry, Moises' year anyway. So yeah, that's certainly something to keep note of. You know, there's a bit more of a backbone going on at the minute. And I don't think that is, you know, I don't think that, completely overshadows and absolves everything else that's gone wrong this season but at the same time def- something definitely worth picking up on surely yeah i mean i don't it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what what's changed but it does almost seem like it, 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 the spurs game today obviously we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth later on but it was kind of a microcosm of the two sides of united this season the first 20 minutes was a bit of a shambles and then from that point it's almost as if they kind of wake up and have a bit of pride and that's that's kind of seems to have been the pattern for the last few weeks or the last couple of months that we generally start games pretty pretty poorly and we've seen it we found ourselves a goal or two goals down or whatever else in games and then it just seems like for whatever reason we've just woken up and realized that this won't do and really sort of started putting it in and i guess the challenge for Mourinho now is to is to inspire the team to play like that really from the start of games um, and actually take control of take control of games from the start rather than having to get themselves back into it later on. Yeah, I mean, it would be a nicer if we were in a situation where we didn't have to say, gosh, you know what, ever since that era, Chris Smalling hasn't put a foot wrong. How about just not putting a foot wrong in the first instance? <laughs> that seems like yeah. it would be a rather smooth move. But yeah, I mean, the the way in which we came back yesterday was encouraging. You know, it was good to see us respond to going behind and 
battle back. You know, it was a poor goal to concede. Actually, we've got to stop talking about this game because this was a positive game. We've got to start with this yeah. shit. Let's go back to West Brom. That was absolutely f***ing terrible. It was everything that's that's bad about, or has been bad about United this season in, in one game, kind of in, in, in perfection. It was 90 minutes of absolute awfulness. And it, I think if you look at the, the weaknesses that we know United have got, We've not had any width. We've been playing, basically been playing number 10s, um, in wide areas. And we've had all of our attacks has been shoehorned into a kind of 10 yard wide patch in the middle of the pitch. You've had Sanchez drifting in field and getting in the, in the sort of areas that Pogba should be in. You've got Mata coming in from the other side. Lukaku's been playing, staying quite central. And it just, it's just meant that every game we're trying to, we're trying to work, you know, through the eye of a needle to try and score a goal. And because the fullbacks, aren't really capable of giving us any width of any quality. We just become incredibly one-dimensional. And also just on top of that, that we just look complacent against West Brom. I, I, you know, you can't, I can't really, really place why it happened. I mean, people focus on Pogba a lot. Certainly Pogba had a really, really poor game. And, and I think he, he can sometimes look lazy because of his, sort of his gait and his stride and his languid style that, that he runs with. But but everybody in that game looked like they weren't really taking it at 100%. And and the thing about the Premier League is if you you know you only have to drop off 5% and someone will will punish you even if it's West Brom. West Brom West Brom aren't idiots. They've been losing games, but they've not been losing games by a lot. Oh, well, hold on a minute. West Brom aren't idiots. I think a certain trip <laughs> during well, the season might say differently. No, 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 I, I know what you're saying. They're very stodgy and they, they struggle to score goals, I think has been their, their problem this season. They're just not creative enough. But they haven't been, they haven't been conceding tons of goals every game. They're just a very stodgy, not very effective going forward, but, but quite compact side. And so if you're quite one dimensional, then we, we just make it so easy for them to stop us forming any attacks in the middle of the pitch. I mean, it wasn't heinously embarrassing results. The only, the only upside of it being, as a few people said that essentially it meant that City had to uh, were celebrating the title without actually being um, in a football stadium watching the team and we got to see the 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 hordes in inverted commas of about 20 City fans turning up at the um, at the Etihad with, with green flares because they couldn't get any blue ones or something <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I guess it, there was a there was a, a lull side to it yeah I mean to be honest the fact that City won the league as a result of us losing to West Brom, who were very firmly mired as the bottom team in the Premier League. That was an annoyance and it wasn't great. But at the same time, that kind of took a very distant second to the frustration of watching United pull that performance out of the bag, having come back mm-hmm. against City eight days previously, really, wasn't it? You know, as you said, yeah. it, was, it, it just seemed like they believed their own hype after the derby and just got complacent and thought, lads, it's West Brom, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had a couple of chances. Uh, great save in the second half from uh, Ben Foster to deny Lukaku and our one decent chance of the second half, really. I don't think anything really, apart from that, stands out. You know, we like, weren't banging on the door when the during the closing stages and we had over 20 minutes to try and find an equaliser after Jay Rodriguez headed over. And it came from, you know, one of those future rare opportunities that West Brom actually attacked us in the second half in particular. You know, the first, they were a little bit more adventurous, but the second, they seemed pretty happy because they could notice that they were frustrating us and we weren't really creating much so that was a rare break got the corner we didn't deal with it and Bob's your uncle 1-0 and you could just see it coming 
And it was just, it was poor. It was just so rubbish to watch United in that game because you could just see it coming. And it's one of those situations where I don't want to labour the point too much because, you know, we've had a good weekend. You know, the response at Bournemouth was positive too. But by that same token, this is just one of those things that we're going to keep coming back to until we can sort of see consistency. And when we keep seeing results and performances like this, the worry is what does Mourinho do when this happens? How can he change things? And yes, it's definitely down to the players. And I do think there was an element of complacency that came into it, like I said. But Mourinho needs to take a bit more ownership in these instances and come up with a plan for when this is not working. Maybe it requires more of a tactical rethink. Maybe it's just making better substitutions. I don't know. But he didn't have a positive effect on that game. He didn't seem to know how to have a positive effect on that game. And in those instances, you do need your manager to step up and kind of take ownership of those situations when the team isn't performing. And on some occasions like that, he struggles to do that. And, you know, obviously in the interim between that and the Bournemouth game, it just looked, it was almost a scorched earth policy, wasn't it? Mourinho was just so yeah. pissed off. And I get that to a certain extent. You know, obviously it's a bit weird to talk about the Bournemouth game now, considering that Mourinho is essentially saying if you play well against Bournemouth, then you might end up playing against Spurs. And we all know now, what was it? Two changes from the side that got beat by West Brom in the end, and that was pretty much yeah. it. So, you know, the likes of Shaw and, you know, even Darmian and Martial and Rashford all having good games for the most part against Bournemouth was essentially for nothing. You know, it was a it was a good run out, wasn't it? I think that Phil Jones played himself into that team on Wednesday. Obviously it was a bit of a surprise to see him back up. I hadn't been aware that he was fully fit again. Um and he had a really, really good game. And also, and Herrera had a very, very good game. I, I, re- I really enjoyed the game on Wednesday because we actually went out with, you know, we played the 4-3-3 that, that we've all kind of been clamouring for all season. And by using Martial and Rashford, we had pace up front. We had some proper width. We actually stretched the play across the, across the length of the pitch. I don't think I've seen us this season get behind the back four in, in, in crossing positions in, in or just outside the box that many times this season and it's it's the one thing we just haven't been doing we haven't been getting behind teams and that's that's you know those are the positions from which you said we're most dangerous and that's that's essentially the position from which Smalling scored and so I took some heart from that I I, I think you could see from the substitutions that Mourinho had already decided mostly decided the team and he, he made substitutions clearly with a view to resting certain players for, for the cup semi-final but I, I just really enjoyed that game I, I, it, it was just so nice to see United with some width and with some pace um and you could see how it benefited Pogba and I think something which which obviously proved important today so yesterday was Ander Herrera playing so well uh, because he's not had a great season he's had injury when he's played he's not played well but he had a really really good game on Wednesday and then followed that up with another really good game on on Saturday and it's allowed Mourinho to actually play that 4-3-3 with some confidence and it's really benefited Pogba which ultimately has been quite crucial to the last four or five days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with Herrera. He was excellent against Spurs on Saturday night. And in particular on Wednesday, it was nice to see him continue on this recent run of form. You know, it's been the last couple of weeks where it felt like, I mentioned this on Twitter, it feels like we've got last season's Herrera back again. And it's been a very stodgy year for him. You know, he's had a couple of injuries here and there, but... Matic's form and you know this ongoing sort of chopping and changing that's happened with Fellaini and Pogba and McTominay has really sort of kept him out in the cold 
but he's come back into form at just the right time and I don't think it's particularly uh, an accident given the fact that it's in this 4-3-3 that he's really started to show what he can do again. That three, that midfield three is almost perfect in terms of what Mourinho wants to do or what United can do in terms of the players they've got available to them because it gives a little bit of everything. You know, you've got Matic holding and sitting deep. You've got Herrera essentially playing box to box and then you've got Pogba as the creative fulcrum. And, you know, Pogba said it himself when we beat City. If he's got two players behind him, he hasn't got to worry too much about tracking back. Obviously, he could have done a little bit tracking back on the Ericsson cross for the first goal on Saturday afternoon. But we'll come back to that later. But still, I think that that situation works out really well. And, you know, in particular for Herrera, you know, he's been involved in, what, two of our last four goals in quite four positions as well. You know, a great little pass inside to Jesse Lingard to set up, you know, goal machine Chris Smalling. For the first goal on Wednesday night, Chris Smalling, who is just on fire at the moment, he can't seem to stop scoring. There's definitely players I would rather have seen get on the end of that uh, cross than Smalling. Not that I begrudge him the chance, you know, I thought he did really well and finished it quite nicely. Probably a couple of players who could have done with the goal, but yeah, great finish there. And then second half, the Kaka came on, uh, lovely break from United, Pogba striding forward. I thought he overhit his pass originally, but the Kaka got right in front of it, it was a beautifully weighted ball. And stole into slot in number two. And, you know, it, it, I think after the complacency that seemed to creep in and just this feeling of United playing, yeah, it felt like United could have played for about three or four hours against West Brom and they wouldn't have gotten a goal. In this Bournemouth game, it felt a lot more focused. I felt a lot more assured. It didn't necessarily feel like it was a massive uptick in intensity. It just felt like we were a bit more aware of what we were doing and capable and we had a bit more confidence about ourselves and that was nice to see and that kind of showed when we well actually no let me rephrase that it absolutely was not in evidence for the first 20-25 minutes against Spurs on Saturday afternoon was it? No it was it felt like the league game really didn't it to, to a degree um, well Spurs I mean, started... admittedly we didn't concede within the first 10 seconds no. and I did think that no. was a bit of progress come on that's something small, small mercies exactly. small mercies it felt very similar, in, apart from the early goal, in that Spurs started very, very quickly, really high tempo. United just weren't awake at all. Pochettino clearly set up a game plan to get at our fullbacks because, frankly, Young and Valencia have been a bit crap for a while. You know, it worked. It worked in those first 20 25 minutes. They got behind us. They scored a goal. And, you know, at that point, we're all thinking, oh, Christ, this is going to be exactly the same as it was in the league game. We're just going to get blown away. And, and, and they could have had a second. Kane was a stud, stud away from kind of prodding in at the at the far post. Um, there's a couple of other really good p- positions they got into without actually taking advantage of it. And then United just seemed to, it's, it, they did, again, United just seemed to wake up and and think this is this is a bit embarrassing. Let's let's do something about this. I don't know why it happens. I don't know why we don't play with that intensity from the start, but. But we, we woke up and once we scored the equaliser, you know, we were certainly, I would have said, the better team from, from there on. And I think the key to it was that while we was playing, he was playing Sanchez and, and Lingard ostensibly in the, in those wide areas, what essentially happened was that Sanchez was really all running all the way across the front line. You know, Lingard's movement's generally very good, but he was floating all over the place as well. And the, Lukaku wasn't just staying at centre forward. He was drifting wide and all of them were being conscious of the other's positions. And what it ha- what, what, what the effect was that it dragged the Spurs defenders around, which gave Pogba tons of space on the left hand side, which he hasn't really had in recent weeks when we've tried to do that. 
and, and you could see the difference. You could see the difference of having a front four that are actually moving and making space for each other and not just sticking to these defined positions they were given before before the start of the match. And that's the difference. But, you know, we know the qualities there in that forward line to, to be able to do that sort of thing. But they just haven't been doing it. It's been so static and it's been so central and there's just been no variety to what we were doing. But suddenly it just seemed to click. It's not, it's not quite the same, but I always think back to the, um, kind of the 2007, 2018 with Tevez and Rooney and Ronaldo as the front three. But they didn't play in any set positions. They just, they just, they were just aware of where the other was and they all made space for each other, vacated space for each other. And that's what made it so good because they were incredibly difficult to mark. And it was a bit like that. And it showed because for the, for the equalizing goal, Sanchez had essentially moved into a centre forward position and Pogba had acres of space to dispossess Dembele and, and get a really great cross, cross onto his head. In that moment, you saw the quality that those two players have got that they just haven't been able to use because the system hasn't quite worked for them. No, I mean, it was really nice to see, given that you know, there was definitely some frustration when the lineup was released, that Rashford and Martial, despite having good performances on Wednesday, were nowhere near the lineup. Again, you know, Martial didn't even get, get off the bench on Saturday afternoon, bless him. Mm. But... Yeah, for those two players, considering that they have been coming in for some rather heavy criticism, and, you know, I love them both, but not necessarily unjustified criticism either, to see them combine so well for that equaliser was great. You know, we did need to track back a little bit for that, the, uh, the Deli Alley goal, just because that was an absolute farce. Um, good grief. You know, Ashley Young, way, way, way out of position at the time. He just, just he pushed up far too high. Left Pogba to do the tracking back for Ericsson, which he just didn't do. You know, it's not a look. You know, obviously Ashling is perhaps more at fault than Pogba on in that instance, but Pogba sort of jogging back to try and keep up with Christian Ericsson. He's not necessarily the fastest player in the world. Let's be honest, it's not a good look, is it? No, it was, no. It was a comedy of errors, wasn't it? As you it say, was, yeah. Young was caught far too far at the pitch. He then points back to Pogba, who perhaps should have been slightly more aware of, of the situation behind him, and then. I can't remember who was supposed to be tracking Ali at the far post. Some somebody lost Ali at the far post, and we were just mm. left standing when he when he was there. So so it was just it was the kind of goal we've conceded lately. It was just kind of really sloppy, and and it wasn't any one person's fault. It was just the fault of the system, wasn't it? And, and people not paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I mean, it was a good finish in the end as well. Can't take that away from Deli Ali. Although you know, I no. would suggest that Lingard's probably a better dancer than he is. Although it does seem to continue this curse, as someone mentioned on Twitter and pointed this out, that if you dance against us at Wembley, you're going to lose. Hmm. Did very much enjoy that after Pardew a couple of years ago, but still. I think Ali's dance was slightly was a bit more coordinated, wasn't it? I think we're showing our age by by disapproving. There'll be, it, it, well, I suppose. I'm not that... disapproving. I'm just saying Pardew's was worse. I'm just saying don't dance against United at the Wembley, or you might lose. Yeah, either way, either way, you, you, you're risking you're risking the cruel hand of fate, aren't you? Oh, indeed, yes. And, well, I mean, speaking of the cruel hand of fate, I think we were definitely a little bit grateful for the fact that Musa Dembele just really, really struggled in that game. The way that Pogba dispossessed him, that's not something that you could particularly note of Dembele for the last couple of seasons. You know, he's been one midfielder in the Premier League that I think United could really have done with. But by that same token, great work by Pogba to get the ball back. And it's not too much of a shock that, especially in that first half, our equalising goal came from across into the area because it looked like the one area and the one chance that we had to get through. I think not long before that, the Kaku had headed one wide. You know, he had a bit of a difficult game again, but I thought he still worked really hard as he always does and provided and held the ball up well when needed. 
the great thing about that finish as well is obviously Sanchez is not a very tall dude. So essentially, he's got to arch his neck backwards in order to get anywhere near that. And the way that he's glanced that back across goal and beyond form was superb. It was such a lovely contact and a good goal for him to get as well. You know, it, it's Wembley, so Sanchez scores. That just seems to be a thing. But great to see those two combine for it. And, yeah. you know, by the end of that first half, I don't necessarily think we were bad value for drawing. I think it's definitely clear that Spurs had the better of the opportunities. And I don't think there's any denying that, you know. Eric Deer hitting the post after that deflection off Smalling. De Gea was rooted to the spot for that. Ericsson flashed a shot wide, as you mentioned earlier on as well. Harry Kane could have gotten the end of a cross. Phil Jones just let him go for that. It wasn't a great moment. But yeah, it could have been worse again, as it could have been worse after the first half against City. But United hung on in there, got a response and got back in at half-time at even terms. And after that, the game just felt different, didn't it? Yeah, it's difficult to know. I think it's probably a combination both of United having really grown into the game and grown in confidence with the equaliser and also Spurs starting to doubt themselves in a Spursy kind of way. But I don't think we should take away from United. There was so much that United were doing in that game that we hadn't done consistently for large periods of games for quite a long time. As I said, just with the movement, with the awareness of where everybody was and just, just the way the system worked in a way that it hasn't done for a, for, for a long time. We can look at our squad. I knew people were doing, you know, put together your best 11 from, from the combination of both both clubs and you cannot you can argue about it but but united have had the quality to to beat anybody in the premier league on our on our day if if those players really turn up and we've all criticized so much this season the fact that those key players haven't turned up and Mourinho hasn't been able to get the best out of them well on saturday he did he did and he has to take he has to take credit for that and they have to take credit for that because between them they worked out what they needed to do to actually create an effective attacking unit that could control a game. And I think I said on Twitter yesterday that, that I think United controlled that game for a longer period than I've seen us control any game for months. With the aside of the, the deer shot that hit the post, I think we were actually fairly fairly secure after we equalised. And once we once Herrera had scored the goal to take us into the lead, Tottenham didn't really have a chance of any note. We were really, really defensively sound and if we just had a bit more quality going forward we could have actually made it more more certain than it was it was just it was a really nice change to, to see united playing in a way that benefited and that was effective for all of the best players and also to defend compactly and effective, effectively and not look like we needed to hire to bail us the hell out every 5 minutes and that's the change i mean you can remember this earlier on in the season we were complaining every time we had a lead we just dropped deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and invite pressure on and we haven't that that hasn't been happening in the last few weeks and that didn't happen too too much on on Saturday. We we just kept playing and we didn't allow ourselves to be under sustained pressure. And I think that showed that we've grown a lot as a team, I think, in the last six to eight weeks. And hopefully we can we can finish the season like that and really go into the summer thinking, you know, we've actually worked out how to get the best out of these players. Going back through that second half, again as you mentioned there, I don't think I genuinely felt worried and that's a strange situation for United to be in at 2-1 up in a game of that magnitude against a very good attacking side but in that second half in particular United looked more solid and more capable of repelling a good attacking team than they have done for some time you know for that for the rest of that Liverpool game I think after we conceded the own goal I think there's definitely an element of you know because it's Liverpool and you don't want to concede a two-goal lead at home 
the anxiety was through the roof. But I didn't feel yeah. anxious watching that second half. I didn't feel particularly worried. I felt like I almost trusted United to see that game through. You know, obviously, when you're defending a one-goal lead in any sort of circumstance, it does get a little bit nervy. And you, you know, obviously, with it being an FA Cup semi-final and a chance for both teams to really, you know, add some gloss to what has potentially been disappointing seasons for both. You know, there's definitely an element of you know, how much of a big blow would it be going into extra time if we conceded an equaliser that late on. But it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. You know, we mostly restricted Tottenham to long-range shots, and that just is not going to bother De Gea. You know, it's going to be. It's going to have to be an amazing shot to get past him from outside the box. I'm not saying it never happens, but it's rare. And even then, even when they were getting these shots off, they weren't anywhere near to being on target. It it was literally all Spurs could do at that point to try and put any pressure on us and give us something to think about. And you're right, you know, a little bit more quality in goal. We could have had a third. You know, Rashford had that one great chance, but I think Dia got back very quickly to stop it. But... I don't think there's any way that we can be unhappy with that second half work in particular. You know, I think one of the things that struck me about the goal, Herrera must have shouted his absolute head off to Lingard, leave it! <laughs> when he's yeah. running up to that. Um, good work yeah. by Sanchez. And you're not the great best ball, Lukaku struggled to control it. But it just, that touch, however invertedly, set it up perfectly for Herrera. Maybe it's just the pace of the ball that's beaten Vaughan because I think looking at it again, he might like to get a second chance at that because it has gone underneath him and it's not too far away from his starting position either. But Herrera struck that very, very well. And I think that's just reward for the last couple of weeks. He's really stepped up his game at a key time for United. You know, he looks a lot more confident. He looks a lot more capable. He looks like he's got purpose again. And I think that's in part due to the fact that United as a team feel like a lot more of a capable unit. And, you know, it's not across the board. We still have moments like West Brom and Sevilla to try and go through and try and eradicate from the system. But by that same token, it's nice to see him back playing well in this United side with a purpose because he can always do a good job for us in these circumstances. You know, it's so trite almost to talk about these players who just get the club, but he really does. You know, he loves playing for United and that's all the more obvious in these sort of circumstances because it's clear that it means something to him to achieve something with United which is great to see isn't it yeah I mean clearly is you know he's he's known as a a bit of a football not a not a hipster but a, a you know he's immersed <laughs> in the he's immersed in the culture of football isn't he and you know he's he's somebody who genuinely did understand the significance of moving to a club like United and and you can see he really appreciates every every day he has Playing for us. And, you know, in the, in the space of a few weeks, he's gone from being a guy who Mourinho clearly didn't trust. I mean, if he fully trusted him, he wouldn't have bought Matic. But he, he clearly didn't trust him. He was on the, on the fringes of things. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, the only thing that saves Herrera this summer is the fact that Fellaini and Carrick are going as well. And we, we need to replace two midfielders as it is. Um, to a point now where you look at it and you think, well, you know, we need to keep him because we need him because he provides balance to this, to this midfield that we need to get the best out of, out of Pogba. He, he's coming to form just at, at the perfect time in terms of the end of United, United season and really in terms of his own future as well. Sometimes these things happen by accident, don't you? Some, a, a situation just comes together where you have to make a change for some reason and it just clicks. It just works. And that's really what's happened for Herrera in the last few weeks. And by, with the ex- exception of the West Brom game, and by extension for Pogba 
as well. And Matt, I think it's, it's really benefited Matic having another pair of legs in there as well, because he's, he's been looking for two or three months like he's, you know, completely run out of steam. Well, fair play. He's played pretty much every bloody game. Well, he has, yeah. I mean, he absolutely has. And he's had a lot of running to do. So, you know, whoever's just come in at the right time and it's just, it's just clicked. Something's just clicked and it's been to, to the benefit of everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things with Matic last season in that title-winning side was that he had N'Golo Kante to do a lot of running in and around him. And I'm not saying that yeah. Herrera is up to Kante's level, for sure, but at the same time, Matic is always going to do better when he hasn't got to run around like Headless Chicken. And it's yeah. not great for Matic and Pogba in those sort of instances in a game where we are dealing with a high-pressing team to have to track back a lot and to have to win the ball back a hell of a lot. And... Yeah, you can see the difference that Herrera makes, the fit and firing Herrera makes in those sort of instances, can't you? Yeah, if you look at the two um, two assists that he he created in the uh, in the City game and, and at Bournemouth as well, it was the, it was the famous Arsenal pre-assist, wasn't it, um, at Bournemouth? But the you know they're both really really high class bits of play to to set up goals. I remember when he came to United and I watched him at. Bill Bow and he was he looked such a good pla- good player in, in in an offensive sense. He wasn't just his midfield runner. He wasn't just a tackler. He was a kind of he was your all round midfielder. And Van Hal just didn't ever seem to trust him. And he certainly didn't really let him have the sort of the sort of expansive role that he'd been allowed at, at times at Bill Bow. Well, then again, though, Rich, like Van Hal trusting anyone, I'm still pissed off with Van Hal after this revelation about yeah. what he said to Raphael <laughs> when he was there a little while ago. So he can get stuffed, quite frankly. Yeah, but but I think we forgot. I think I think maybe we we forgot the quality on the ball that he has that, that he does have. You know, last season he was player of the season, but it was essentially as a in in a destructive sense, wasn't it? You know, he was he was kind of our oral action. He was remembered for the job he did on Eden Hazard in the in the home game against Chelsea. And I think we just kind of forgotten his his quality. You know, the sort of quality he can provide going forward that had almost been coached out of him by. By Van Hal, and he just hadn't been given the opportunity to do last season, and I think that's just a, a really nice reminder that he, he he's a player who's he's he's never going to be world class, but he's good enough to play two or three midfield roles with a good level of competence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think having operators at the level of Matic and Pogba certainly helps, and in those sort of performances in particular, it helps that he's got top class operators around him. You know, I, I think you're right. I, I love the man, and it's great to see him at this level. I don't necessarily think he's ever going to be top class, but I don't necessarily think we need him to, it to be absolutely top class. No. You know, part of him no. and his intensity and what makes him so great is his ability, when he can even come on late on in games that United are winning, is his ability to rile up the opponent. And, you know, how many times have we bemoaned having that happen to United? You know, the, the shithousery levels that Herrera's got on top yeah. of him are great, but the players don't like playing against him. <laughs> you know, opposition teams do yeah. not like him. Opposition fans don't like him. And I guess that kind of makes him a perfect United foil in some ways, isn't it? It's great. It's wonderful yeah. to see on occasions. There was less, there was, I don't think there was really much snide going on this weekend, to be fair. Oh, there was a little tap tackle. He, ta- he tap tackled somebody on, the, he was on the floor and he just, they, they were going past him with the ball and he just, he just he just gave him a little rugby tap tackle and, and brought him down. I, forget, I can't remember who it was, but it was it was it was amazing. You know, most players would just sit there and think, "Shit, I'm on the floor. I've lost the ball." And just watch the guy, watch the the opposition guy just take the ball away. But Herrera's initial immediate thought is, "I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take his legs away from under him with my hand. Maybe no one will notice." It was a uh, it was it was a, it was a fine moment. I think as well, he's just he just he just annoys players, doesn't he? he annoys midfield players and. 
they're at the point now where I think they're all aware that he's a little shithouse. <laughs> and, and almost, almost his presence is annoying for them before he even does anything, which is ace. Very much so. I'm always, always here for it. And also here mm. for the fact that that's a fourth, well, yeah, major final, I guess you could say, in the space of three seasons. Mm. That's really encouraging, you know, and the fact that, you know, United's progress in the Champions League this season ended so awkwardly and disappointingly. And the fact that, you know, again, by Christmas, we were pretty much out of the race for the, the Premier League title. Really good to see us at least take the FA Cup seriously. You know, it's not been a, I wouldn't say it's been the most challenging cup run that we've had. Obviously, you know, we've had what a couple of home fixtures, struggled a little bit against Derby, we had Yeovil and then away to Huddersfield, home to Brighton. It's not necessarily been a really tricky run in, but at the same time, I think United, for the most part, have managed it fairly well. And it's good to see us get through against Spurs because that so easily could have gone quite south for us, given the fact that Spurs started that game so well. And yeah, you know, the way Chelsea are going at the minute, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a complete cakewalk, but I would expect us to win. You know, that's really dangerous and that complacency you should be guarded against because it is us and it is football. But by that same token, I would really fancy us to get through against Chelsea at the moment. They don't look like, they look like they're waiting for the season to end almost. You know, it looks like they're yeah. going to be finishing fifth out of the Champions League spots. You just know heads are going to roll there. It can't be a great time to be there. And, you know, Conte was probably on his way out by the end of the season as well. So, um, I mean, this is a, a sort of occasion that Mourinho relishes, right? Coming up against Chelsea in a cup final, he'll be licking oh. his goddamn lips in preparation for May 19th. I'm quite looking forward to for that element of the narrative. But yeah, from a United yeah. perspective, I think it's really good for us to end this season on a relative high note. You know, we'd much rather be handed over to, what is it, Kiev this season for the Champions League final, but that's obviously wishful thinking. But... By that same token, City are going to be celebrating the league title. Someone, hopefully not Liverpool, will be celebrating the Champions League. And at least we'll have something to shout about with the FA Cup if we can beat Chelsea. Maybe end the season yeah. on a good note. I guess next week's game as well is worth talking about as well, considering that Arsenal's manager has actually done the thing that no one eventually expected him to do and actually decided to leave the club, Richard. Yes, it's been a slightly awkward awkward situation for Arsenal fans, hasn't it? Because uh, a very large portion of them have been very, very angry at him for several years, at, le- at the very least. Uh, I don't think without good reason. But then now he's retired, they suddenly have to also say nice things about him because he did do some cool things at the start. And I made the point that I think without without Wenger, United perhaps wouldn't have done the treble in in 1999 because if you look at Fergie's two greatest greatest teams, obviously the, the, the treble side and then the European Cup winners in 2007-2008, both of them essentially happened because of the emergence of a really high-class opponent for Fergie in the Premier League. You know, he'd had to deal with briefly with Blackburn and had a season against Newcastle, but but English clubs weren't really getting anywhere in Europe. And Wenger came along and raised the bar, first full season winning the league, and, and Fergie had to respond. And they essentially ended up being in an arms race. And Arsenal dragged United on in that season, the trouble season, you know, the we could never, we could never ease off. The, the, the league went down to the last game. We had them in the semi-final. So I think to a degree we have Wenger to, to thank for the, thank for the treble. And then obviously the, the, the mid-2000s, it was Mourinho's Chelsea that really forced Fergie to, to keep improving that United side to, to regain preeminence in the Premier League. In, in many ways, in, in the way that he's basically just created a lost decade for Arsenal. Thanks for that, Arsene. And in the way that he, he pushed Fergie to win us a European Cup. Thanks, Arsene. 
<laughs> nice way to twist it, I guess. I mean, yeah, the, I don't understand how there's any. There should be no debate, and in some ways there has been a debate, I guess, because of the way this wonderful world works, and no two opinions are the same. That people think that you know Fenger's managed to outachieve Ferguson. That's just one of the most. I've got no words for how wrong that take is, but at the same time, you know, there's no doubt that Wenger helped change the landscape of English football. You know, it's great that you think back, as you said there, to that strong and long-lasting rivalry that he and Ferguson had and how, as you said, they spurred each other on and how, you know, you think about how close Arsenal came in that treble year to getting the double. You know, what, last day of the season, the Premier League, and got knocked out in a semi-final replay at Villa Park. That's how close they were. Wenger built some really, really great Arsenal sides that were good fun to watch. And he's had a great talent for bringing players through and helping to develop them. I think the biggest problem is, is that he just didn't leave sooner. And it's nice that he's at least, well, on the face of it, at least anyway, it's difficult to tell whether or not he essentially is leaving before he was properly pushed. It seems like it is actually somewhat of that element. I don't, well, it I do seems think... like it's been told, doesn't it? it, seems, it yeah, does essentially, seem to be if you don't leave, we're going to push you. Yeah, and that's obviously yeah. a rather edifying end to the situation because, you know, I think it's it's interesting to hear how we're actually talking about Wenger these days, isn't it? Because we're not yeah. talking about him as a threat to United or a threat to the big clubs. We're talking about him as this player, so this manager that we're almost indifferent to leaving. It's not like it's a really, it's a great day for United fans that suddenly this uh, manager of a rival club has left because Arsenal just are not seen as a threat. Maybe it will change with the new manager coming in, but I, I think that's going to take some time. You know, there's no way they can botch the succession quite as badly as United did. Although it'd be oh, okay. amazing if they did. That would be yeah, remarkable. <laughs> but I guess we'll see. I mean, this will be Wenger's last trip to Old Trafford in the Arsenal dugout. So, you know, I do wonder what sort of chance he'll get aimed his way on this occasion. To say Arsenal are the only team in the in the, the major European leagues that haven't won a single point away from home this year in 2018. Uh, and what with them having the Atletico games either side of, of the United game, I'd imagine... Will they be... do what we did last year and basically just bob it off? I, I, well, I'm, I think he probably will. It means we can just have one final laugh at him, doesn't it, really? Because we've had some, we have some wonderful laughs, haven't we, at Wenger's expense? Uh, yeah, we have. Let's not lie about it. And Arsenal fan TV's expense as well. You know, it's going to yeah. be a different Premier League with that in a minute. And, I, you know, he's not going to be listening to this, but I do kind of wish him all the best at the same time. You know, had some good laughs, have some good memories. And, you know, he didn't stop us from winning that much, so it can't be that bad. Anyway, Rich, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your company this week and always. Thanks, mate. Cheers, man. Right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over the interwebs. You can get me at Atchew and Lennart. You can get Rich at AntRichardCan76. You can get the pod at at RedVoicesNUSC. And you can get our blog at www.redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after the Arsenal game. Good night. Good night.